Hello, and welcome to the Who's Next edition of Political Traction. I'm your host, Amanda Galbraith. This week, we have a slight change in our regular programming. I will be taking a step back from my regular hosting duties this episode, and in my absence, you will hear from my colleagues on all matters related to the Conservative Party's leadership. Mike Van Solen is a managing principal and former political staffer. Brayden Akers is an associate principal and former director of communications to Ontario's Minister of Energy, Northern Development, and Indigenous Affairs. And Claire Michaels is an associate principal and former director of strategic communications and principal writer for the Premier of Ontario. She was also recently a key player in the war room during Aaron O'Toole's election campaign in 2021. What can we make of the recent removal of Aaron O'Toole as leader of the Conservative Party? Who might be next in the line for this role? And who does this turnover mean for the future of the party? This is Political Traction. All right, well, hi, everyone. It is great to stand in for my good friend Amanda Galbraith on the podcast this week. And it's a real pleasure to have uh, two of my favorite colleagues, uh, Braden Akers and Claire Michaels here with me uh, to talk over the CPC leadership. Uh, both uh, both, uh, both um, uh, Claire and Braden are very experienced uh, conservative partisans who've, who've worked in government at different times. And uh, now I have, of course, the pleasure of working with here. Uh, but it's exciting times uh, to, to watch the conservative uh, leadership race and everything uh, that's taking place with uh, Mr. O'Toole exiting stage right. Um, maybe we'll start by looking back. Uh, do you think uh, there was one thing that sealed Aaron's fate? Or do you believe, uh, you know, s- since the election, uh, the writing was on the wall? Um, just because I'm seeing you on my screen uh, closest, uh, Claire, why don't uh, I start with you? What, uh, what led to uh, Mr. Aaron, uh, Mr. O'Toole's exit? Well, thanks. Thanks for having me, Mike. Um, as, as my colleagues will know, I, uh, I helped out on the Aaron O'Toole campaign. I was his speechwriter for, for the duration and, and came to know him as um, the guy from Durham. I'm, I'm from Oshawa myself, so there's an affinity there. But, um, you know, look, this, it was a campaign team that kind of gave 110%. I know uh, we didn't get there in the end in terms of a win. And so that's always the challenge for, for a party leader is that delivering a win. <laughs> that's what you're elected to do. And so um, we appreciated that there needed to be soul searching. There was a pretty extensive consultation process set up afterwards. Anyone and their brother could, could write in and say, this is what I think went wrong to, uh, to James Cummings, who's the former MP, I think, for Edmonton Centre. And uh, James did a great job with, with the review. That report went out. Um, so... Uh, you know, I think everything that could have possibly been done was done in the aftermath of, of that election. But at, at the end of the day, you know, um, losing is not fun. No, no, certainly not. Uh, Braden, how do, how do you look at it? What uh, what led to Mr. O'Toole's ouster? So full disclosure here, uh, like Claire, I have connections with Mr. O'Toole. Uh, Aaron, I've known for a very long time. I was his campaign manager on the by-election where he was first elected. My first job in politics was working for his dad, John O'Toole, at Queen's Park. So Aaron, uh, Aaron is a, a good family friend of, of, of mine. But what I would say to Aaron is, you know, I think there were a lot of, um, since the election, there were some, some problems, I think, from uh, the leader's office in, 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 in managing caucus. Um, it's, it's very clear that there were some underlying issues that's been bubbling over. 
And over the last, uh, I would say a couple of weeks ago, maybe, maybe the truckers protest in Ottawa had an unintended consequence of taking out the conservative leader rather than maybe uh, their, their intended goal of, of taking out the prime minister. Um, they, the caucus, you know, had been told over and over again that this, uh, this was actually a win. And I, I think they, they were sort of kicking back at some changes Aaron wanted to make in the party that maybe he didn't have enough time to, to bring them along with. And as a result, I think some frustrations got a little high and, and, uh, the vote was put forward and unfortunately he uh, didn't survive that vote. Okay, perfect. Uh, I'd actually like to uh, follow up on the trucker protest in Ottawa before we, you know, we get into the race itself. Uh, certainly with the beginning of the protest in Ottawa, uh, with uh, many MPs, uh, conservative MPs in particular, going out and, and sort of embracing sort of that group and, and, and the call for freedom, um, uh, which, which quickly, uh, you know, and shortly after, uh, let, we saw Mr. O'Toole uh, get removed, removed by his party. Um, is it right for people to say this is a harbinger of, of things to come? Is the Conservative Party going to be more populist in its, uh, uh, through the process that's uh, unfolding now? Uh, maybe Claire first? So I think there's a few things that we need to do as a party in terms of soul searching. I think we have always traditionally been the party of law and order and to, to see ourselves sort of stray a little bit has been difficult to watch. And I think we really do need to take a look at ourselves and, and figure out what we stand for because, um, you know, sort of those law and order pieces have been our bread and butter. We've always defended rule of law, you know, that whether we're looking at um, other regimes around the world or looking at ourselves. And so um, I think, I appreciate at the same time that, you know, people want their lives back, but at the same time, um, you know, there's something to be said for, for not doing harm to other people through, through your actions. Well, Brayden, uh, look, I look at Ottawa and, uh, you know, we'll get into Pierre and the different, uh, different uh, people to, uh, who, who hope to be leader in, in a moment, but is the party shifting a bit? Is it becoming more populist? Uh, uh, now. So, uh, Claire, I, I, I disagree with a little bit of what you said. I, I you know, it, we definitely are the party of law, or, or law of order, but we're also the party of individual freedom and choice and liberty and rights. Uh, so what I see out there are a lot of conservative supporters or a lot of conservative, potential conservative supporters. And, um, and, and, you know, among the left, I think it's very popular right now to to say the Conservative Party is divided and there's a right versus left um, um, combat and the traditional labels that I think have, have largely disappeared within the, the, the membership as a whole, such as reformer versus PC. Like, I don't hear Conservatives talk like that anymore unless they've been involved in 30 years, uh, they've been involved for 40 years or they're a partisan liberal. What I see is a division between economic classes. I think that there's like, there's a, uh, there's an activist class of our uh, of our party, some of whom are you know working downtown in offices, and then there's the the base of our party who is who are hardworking individuals who are working um, uh, in trades and um, in industrial settings. Or uh, there, there's a huge difference between the working class and and um, um, the, the the class who are are working in offices. 
and, and how they view the pandemic and how they view vaccine mandates and and I think their approach to conservatism as well. All right. Well, well, let me let me build on that, Braden. Um, uh, you know, who are, you know? Let's talk about the people who will be voting in this in this uh, in this contest. Um, what what do we think are the issues that will be important to them in choosing a leader, uh, Braden? So I think I think members are looking for a winner. Um, they're they're frustrated, um, and members are looking for someone who can loudly defend the cause. For, for years now, uh, I think conservatives have become more and more frustrated with having leadership, uh, their leaders, maybe cede, cede ground to the left. And I think a the majority of the membership is looking for someone who can push the center of the Canadian political spectrum back to the middle. And because it's shifted, it's shifted as a result of Justin Trudeau, it's shifted as a result of uh, Kathleen Wynne, it's moved further and further left. And members are looking to shift that center back to where it should be, and and bring uh, you know, and you need that counterbalance of a, a strong conservative party with strong conservative values, and that's what members are looking for. Well, well, Claire, uh, I mean, what Braden describes, um, uh, you know, certainly makes sense on the surface. Uh, Aaron's Aaron's uh, premise going into the election was that he he needed to move the party to the center. Uh, Braden's describing pulling the center to the, you know, perhaps the party. Um, my original question was what, what are, what are members looking at, looking for uh, when they, when they cast their ballots? Uh, maybe you can kind of pull these uh, pieces together and, and give me your thoughts on, on, on the, the party, uh, the party members and what they may be looking for. Well, to go back to the point on winning, we have a caucus right now who is not playing as a team and that is a huge problem. We are doing things right now that are extremely hurtful to our re-election chances. And if we can't unite the right, as it were, in this moment and figure out what we're all about, there's some real challenges. You know, we could be in the wilderness longer than anyone expected. And I think um, as much as it matters, this is probably going to be pretty radical to say, but, you know, as much as, as Quebec matters, you know, could we start looking at election strategies that are a little bit more open-minded? I don't think that we put the attention that was needed on Ontario and winning Ontario seats in the last election. That was absolutely critical to victory, and we did not we did not make headway there. Um, so we need to stop trying to promise the moon when it comes to Quebec. And and can we build a coalition of voters that um, you know is is broader than just you know the western provinces? We need Ontario too. All right, so let's get into some of the uh, people who we expect to be in this race. Uh, I'll propose for, to start, we leave Pierre to the side because I think uh, you know, we'll all agree that he seems to be out of the blocks the fastest. Um, but there will be a race. Um, who, who are some of the other potential candidates you think uh, may be of interest to members? Um, uh, Braden, why, uh, why don't you start off on this one? Well, uh, the first name that comes to mind is obviously uh, Leslyn uh, Lewis. Uh, the she she ran in the last leadership um, as a, largely as a social conservative, attracting that uh, base of the party in her direction. Uh, I'm unsure if she'll put her name forward this time, but I imagine she's definitely considering it. Um, you know, I think that there's definitely room for um, for a candidate, especially since last time we didn't have one. Uh, a candidate from Western Canada, um, whether that's maybe someone in Alberta politics right now who's maybe thinking of leaving or 
uh, Premier Scott Moe or maybe someone who who uh, used to be leader of a party like out there, like maybe uh, Daniel Smith. There's definitely room for uh, a Western uh, voice in, in, in the leadership. And I, I would hope that someone joins from the West. Um, Great, great, Claire. Claire, what do you, what do you, uh, outside of Pierre, we're gonna, we'll get to him next. Uh, outside of Pierre, what names you think may be of interest to, to members? I'm so glad that the first words out of uh, Braden's mouth were Leslie Lewis because I do think that we need some strong conservative women running in this race. I don't know who's out there that that could potentially step up to the plate, but. You know, um, I know Rona Ambrose was was a name that was floated early, and I know she turned it down. Um, but you know, there's there's a real dearth of of those types of candidates, and I think we need someone who can come forward and and fill that role. Um, you know, with some pretty strong ideas. I think it's overdue, and I think someone like that could could really take on someone like Justin Trudeau. And I think some of the other names that have been floated around are, are Peter McKay and 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 Patrick Brown. Even uh, I know he's said publicly that he's not going to jump in, but doesn't necessarily rule it out. A lot of people say in the beginning that they won't do it, and then they get all those phone calls, uh, as people know, and and you know things things change quick, quickly. So I think people are still organizing. I think st people are still thinking it through. So I'm curious to see who else comes out of the woodwork over the next week. All right, there's also some room for like a Quebec candidate to jump in the race too. Like Josh Ray is a name that always comes up uh, when we have a. Uh, a leadership race, it seems, and I'm sure there'll be uh, a few Quebecers considering their options. And I, I should note that uh, our colleague Tasha Carradin, uh, you know, perhaps uh, today uh, an outside outside chance of uh, of jumping in, but certainly a strong woman with a long history in the conservative movement, uh, maybe somebody who adds to to the number of uh, women uh, running for this role. Uh, but let's talk about Mr. Pierre Polyev. Uh, he's the first one to launch his campaign. Uh, he seems to uh, be popular among a lot of conservatives I talk to. He has certainly been a thorn in the side of the federal liberals uh, with his, uh, his questioning of uh, finance ministers in particular around, uh, uh, around inflation and affordability. Um, what reasons are there for... Uh, what reasons are there for Pierre's early success? Uh, do you think it's sustainable? What does he have to do uh, if he were to win? Um, Claire? Well, I, so say what you will about Pierre. He is effective, as, as you've said. And um, I think even if um, you don't like his style, there's a lot of things that he's pushing on that are very salient at this moment. And um, even if most Canadians don't want to admit it, um, they do sort of share that sentiment. They want their lives back. They want more freedom. Um, they're sick of the pandemic, they want to move on with their lives. And I think Pierre really speaks to that in, in a lot of his messaging. We can also probably count on Pierre to push those issues that are really important for Canadians now and, and that uh, the Liberals seem to be ignoring, you know, whether that's inflation or, or the security of our supply chains or access to, you know, tests or vaccines. I think, um, you know, if he can continue to hit on those affordability issues, on those um, security issues, I think, I think we're in good shape. Um, but yeah, I, I'm excited to see what else he might come out with in this platform. Yeah, Pierre seems to be somebody who's be able to sort of wade into the cultural, uh, you know, war battles uh, in in a way that I haven't seen conservatives do in some some time. Um, I don't know, Braden. What what do you think? Uh, what do you think are Pierre's strengths? Uh, what are his chances of uh, being successful? 
I mean, like, like it's the way he talks. Like, he has a, an ability that you just can't teach politicians. Like, he, he can go out there and defend conservative values on a level that people understand, and, it, and he can connect with them. It's, it's shocking to me, and I, I'm really happy that he's in the race, and I think it's good for our party to have a voice like that on the scene. Like, I was talking to my dad the other day, and he was actually watching a Pierre Polliver YouTube video before I got on the phone, and he was reciting back to me what Pierre was saying. And, like, that's that's the reach that Pierre has right now with the average Canadians. His, his social media presence is just truly astounding, uh, reaching millions and millions of Canadians, like his launch video alone, like it's like numbers we just do not see in the conservative or right of center movement. And that's a strength that's going to be very hard to beat for nearly any candidate that runs in the race. The other thing that Pierre has is he's connecting with two demographics that I think will be very, very easy to bring in on the leadership race and motivate them to buy membership. One is obviously the truckers. He was one of the first members of caucus to recognize that uh, those, those individuals protesting at Parliament Hill are an accessible voter base. And, you know, I, I think see them right now. He started a petition online um, collecting names, co collecting signatures. He's going after those people to, to sign up for members. The other, the other base that I think he's trying to tap into, which I'm very impressed by, are those uh, obsessed with Bitcoin. Bitcoin bros are all over Pierre. They love what he has to say about monetary policy. And like that monetary, the way he talks about monetary policy, in my view, connects with average Canadians. And it's a really good thing that we should be really happy about. Okay, well, there's this old sort of common idea in, the, in, in, in conservative politics that, um, and certainly in recent, in recent times, that you, uh, and we saw Aaron do it. Uh, you know, a lot of people viewed that he had to move right to, to win the leadership, and then he had to somehow move left to, to win the general election. Um, what do you think of that as a, as a theory uh, for, for ultimately winning 24 Sussex? Uh, you know, do, do, to win this race, do you have to move right? And then do you have to be able to execute a pivot left to have success in the general? Claire? I certainly think future conservative leaders will be a lot more careful with their positioning and leadership races uh, going forward, which will be less fun for, for those of us who are members because typically the leadership races, you're, you can take bolder positions. You can, you can be outside the box. You can sort of litmus test uh, ideas before they get to, to, the, to an election. And so I think we'll see a little bit less of that in, in leadership races going forward, which is unfortunate. Um, but I think um, there will be a certain level of caution and, and not trying to go back on the, on, the, on the promises that you've made in the leadership. And I think there's, on the flip side, there's a certain um, level of authenticity to that, that people know what you're about. It's a part of the appeal of someone like Doug Ford. Everybody knows what Doug Ford is about. And that's why, you know, I think uh, he'll, he'll win the, the next provincial election pretty soundly. But uh, I think, um, you know, there's something to be said for authenticity in a world where everyone is pretty scripted. All right. Well, Brady, maybe I'll just refine the question a little bit for you. Uh, do you think Pierre, in, in the messaging and positioning he's uh, offering now, uh, it, it looks in the early days to have some resonance with conservatives. Do you think he could take that sort of same positioning through the leadership and into a general election? I sure hope he does. I like, I, I think the membership expects that. Like, like we can no longer, like if voters are given a choice, and I know this is an old cliche that people repeat 
and over and over again. But if the Conservative Party offers itself up as the Liberal Party versus the Liberal Party, the actual Liberal Party, voters are always going to choose the Liberals. Like that, that's the reality. We can't be Liberal Party 2.0 in the next election. I think membership across the board feels that way, or at least a vast, vast majority. There are a few people who disagree with that approach and want us to maybe temper some of our views and temper some of our policies. But if you want to win the leadership, you have to. Uh, run this way, and you have to be able to, if you want to hold on to the leadership after you, uh, after the next election, you have to keep your views, and you have to stay true to them, and start shifting, as I mentioned earlier, shifting that political compass closer to us, and moving the center closer to, to our point of views. All right, Claire Michaels, Braden Akers, thanks for your uh, analysis. It's going to be an exciting race. I guess uh, we should all buckle up. Uh, and thanks to all our listeners for, uh, for tuning in. Um, thanks again. Amanda will be back next time around. Uh, thanks. Political Traction is powered by Navigator, Canada's leading high-stakes public affairs firm. Our show is produced by John Gardner, Kimberly Draypack, Matthew Barnes, Adam Owen, and Thomas Ashcroft. A very special thank you goes out to this week's guests, Mike Van Solen, Braden Akers, and Claire Michaels. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to rate us online or wherever you find your podcasts. You can also follow us on Twitter at Traction Poly. I'm your host, Amanda Galbraith. We'll see you next week.